0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Independent Life Podcast. We have two very animated, engaging, and just fun guests to listen to. Noah Russell, first-time guest of the podcast, and Zach Stalbitt. You uh, may recognize him from a previous episode that we did, but these are two very inspiring Young adults with disabilities who are, I would say, uh, in layman's terms, just getting after it. They both are in college, have full time jobs, and are very involved in service based volunteer projects advancing the independent living movement. They represent, to me, the future of leadership, and we talk a bit about that in this podcast. We talk about what's going on in terms of leadership and youth and the different types of councils that they're on. We also get into the Youth Leadership Forum, which is coming up at the end of this month, July 2022, and the uh, Association for Programs of Rural Independent Living, which NOAA is a part of, which is a very important piece of the Independent Living Network because so many People with disabilities live in rural areas, and it's very challenging sometimes to, to meet some of the needs that they have. So, they give a lot of great insights about how we can do better in the independent living movement, coming from the perspective of what I consider to be the future leaders in it. Enjoy this interview with Noah and Zach. I sure did. Here we go. We are in the independent life with two awesome and amazing people. I look forward to getting to know better on this interview. We have a returning guest, Zach, and a first-time guest, Noah, here, and I'm having this conversation with you all for many different reasons. But I'm always looking to to learn from people that are half my age about what's going on and what's hip in the world uh, nowadays, because I'm so clueless and out of, the, out of the link, but also trying to get clued into what's important and on the minds of youth with disabilities and what topics and issues are, are super relevant. I think before we get into that, uh, I think it would be great if you both could introduce yourselves to our audience and tell them a little bit about who you are and you know how impa- uh, disabilities impacted your life. And Zach, I'll start with you. I have had a, a prior interview, like I said, and we're going to link that interview up into the show notes. But uh, maybe you can start us off, and then I'll circle in to Noah and loop him into this conversation. So, Zach, start us off, man. Who are you? Hello there.
1: My name is Zachary Stalbitz. I am 20 years old, and I live in and I live in Tossie, Florida. I go to Tossie Community College, um, and I'm studying. Graphics and web design technology. Awesome. And I hope to be um hopefully potentially studying marketing at the Florida State University.
0: That is the that is the plan right now. Don't know what's gonna don't know what am I having next. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's a good marketing and graphic design go hand in hand. Noah, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh you know how a disability has impacted your life you got
2: it so my name is Noah russell i am from sally beach florida which is down in brevard county i am 23 years old and really the main thing that define me with disabilities is the fact that i didn't have really the best social skills growing up and i was a little terror (laughs) but otherwise it's helped me a lot with getting a lot of connections, like the YSC, which I'm a part of, a part of Florida's Youth Committee, and being able to help educate people.
0: So you were saying that you didn't have the best social skills growing up. Like, unpack that. What does that mean? Like, you didn't have the best social skills growing up, and uh, how were you at Terror? Um,
2: so from this from what I remember, at least as a kid. Mind you, that was like years ago, but I cannot stay in one place at any time I was constantly doing stuff that I wasn't supposed to do at that time. Mm -hmm. And I cannot read a room to save my life. Still can't as much but I'm getting better at it. But I will say that it is a little bit more difficult for me to read the room. Because I cannot really read a facial expressions that well or body language.
0: Gotcha. And so you mean read a room by kind of like trying to pick up on a nonverbal communication about what's kind of like going on in this, you know, social context. That's correct. Does that resonate with you at all, Zach? Is that something that, you know, you can relate to at all? I'd say the, um, Sticking into one room, you know,
1: sticking into one place in room, in a room that, that, yeah, that makes sense for, for me too, a little bit, I cannot stay still, well, I can stay still for a little bit. I've myself but like, sometimes like if you let me loose in the right time, yeah, I will I'll go crazy. Uh
0: (laughs) So what have you, either of you here, jump all on this one. So what have you found helpful to improve your communication skills? You know whether it's learning how to pick up on social cues or uh just by repetition i don't know like what has been helpful for you all in terms of improving your uh, social communication
1: i'd say for me it would be um slowing down a little bit and also um picking up on like the the body language and like um how like things that's kind of helped me a little bit too how do you slow
0: down like i, I like that one
1: so basically, um, I wait for the person to stop talking, but sometimes usually I just jump right in, I just jump in like uh, impulsively uh-huh. and then sometimes I'm just like, sometimes I'm just like, okay, slow down, pronunciate, and just like get the whole sentence out and it works. And it, I realized I was like, oh, okay, so this is the right sentence. Okay, it's cool. Yeah.
0: All right, slowing down, letting the per- other person finish before you, you chime in. That's a good one, not talking over people. I do that all the time, talking over people. <laughs> Noah, speaking of talking over people, you're about to chime in. <laughs> <laughs> For me, surprisingly, the pandemic
2: helped me the best Whoa. because we were all wearing masks, so it started to teach me how to read more facial cues with the eyes.
0: Really? And did that come intuitively, like, or did you like have to study... Specifically, well, when people are squinting or you know, their eyes are wide open, it means this, that, and the other, or like you did it come naturally?
2: Um, I did have to study it a little bit, mostly because at the supermarket I work at, I am still one of the only people on my team who wear a mask. Hmm. So it's been more me trying to continue learning how the eyes react to certain things, like if you're tired, fatigued, happy, angry. Yeah. And also, that translated down to reading the rest of the the facial instructions which I'm still learning how to get better at.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, tired and angry can sometimes look the same. If the eyes are tired, they're kind of squinting, and then if I'm angry, you know, or someone's angry, they're kind of squinting too. But there are probably like these subtle nuances that we can just. I've heard that you know the windows to the our, our soul is the eyes, you know, and that could be one of them. Yeah. Anything else that's helpful for you all in terms of learning uh, social communication and skills that are related to that? Is it easier to communicate virtually for you all or face-to-face? Oh, face-to-face. Oh, face-to-face. Face-to-face. All right. Since you mentioned the pandemic, has that impacted you all in terms of your abilities then to communicate because we've been so virtual for a long time? Very much. How so? Very much. How so?
1: Um... Well, with Zoom, it, you get that, well, you just see the face. With uh-huh. Zoom, with the first in face-to-face, there, there's a different feeling that you get. You get that You get that vibe energy a little bit. Uh-huh. It's more uh, physical. It's more like it's more interactive.
0: Yeah. I like so how you put you, that vibe energy. And so like yeah. on
1: Zoom, you really can't see physical expressions where on face-to-face, it, it could be a whole life-changing. It could be a whole experience in face-to-face. Like it's the electricity and the energy between humans and i'm just like oh okay this is kind of cool
0: yeah i think you're onto something there because like i feel like emotions emit an energy outward that that even like body language might have a hint towards it but it just feels like there's a field of energy that's around us and that's highly impacted by people's emotions and i think like before language was invented and that humankind didn't have that evolutionary psychologist said we communicated through emotions and we had to communicate, you know, in that way because we didn't have language to say I'm afraid or I trust you or I don't trust you or come close, don't come close back off. And we had to communicate through emotions. And I still think to this day that we largely communicate uh, emotionally and yeah, that's hard to pick up on it. Like in a 2d you know, dimension, like by, by zoom, does that resonate with, you know, or your experience is a little different. Um, My experiences are similar, but also a slight bit
2: different since with what I do with one of the organizations I work with at my Center for Independent Living is more we talk well, we did talk on zoom a lot. I honestly got used to reading how people worked on zoom how they moved a bit more Uh with their facial expressions and then I learned about how each of their mannerisms worked. And it just translated over to when I was more going into back into regular social gatherings last year.
0: Yep. How How is it working at, uh, you said you work at a supermarket. Does that then also provide you know, a good arena for you to, to enhance your social and communication skills?
2: Yes and uh, no. <laughs> yes, for the most part, because all my customers that i've interacted with and gotten to know are really nice Uh but some people are very very aggressive to say the least Uh what i've had to deal with at least i've had people scream at me before yeah at that point i just shut down let my cashier deal with it
0: (laughs) you know i i i've worked in the restaurant industry and and i know zach you have too so i want to i want to hit you up on this one I feel like almost like back in the day there it was uh, civil service required like people to, you know, have to enroll in the, the military as a requirement. I feel like everybody should somehow, some way either be in the restaurant industry or like where you're working in a supermarket. So you gotta be forced to interact with the general public who can be very difficult to work with. So that when we then go out into restaurants or into supermarkets we can understand why it's very important to treat people with courtesy and and so i don't know zach so what are your experiences in in customer service and and those kind of things and and how it pertains to communication skills
1: well oh, i'm the largest learning and it's fun it is fun <laughs> holy <laughs> you, crap you can gamify it, it
0: yeah yeah oh yeah it's
1: fun all right <laughs> um i like to i i see a lot of restaurants where they're like kind of it's kind of like a dead vibe I don't do that. I just basically, I'm being, I'm basically myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just be singing with the, I'll just be like, we'll just be like howling at, um, uh, like with the with coworkers, like just like just just like um having fun with each other, just like cool. Um, this this afternoon we were just like singing like a singing like a song and like uh, we were just yelling it all out loud and and obviously I'm having a blast. I'm basically myself at that restaurant, basically. So yeah, it's fun. I'm, I mean. I do understand the uh, the high pitch, like "Hi there, welcome to welcome to so and so." And then I'm just like, I'm just like, um, I don't really like that. I just like to be myself. Uh-huh. And so it's really fun. It's re- it, it is very fun. I'm I'm having the time of my life right now. Yeah,
0: that's good to hear. Because authenticity, I think people can pick up on being greeted in some restaurants. It can just sound so mechanical. And so if you're actually there, especially with if you're in an environment where people are fun to work with it can make any job a good job you know even oh, if yeah. it's not a fun job if you enjoy the people you work with it's, it's amazing and vice versa if it's a great job but the people aren't that fun to work with then it's not a good job and oh uh, yeah. It can be very I, difficult. yeah there's
1: a there's a difference there there's a whole another thing there's a whole difference like i'm i'm literally i've mastered before but now i just let it all out i i'm i'm, I'm myself correct i've never had the um like the customer service, like high pitched, like, hi there. I'm just like, nah, I'm just like, Hey, what's up? I'm I'm kind of that kind of thing. Cause like, I want to be myself.
0: Uh, well, I bet people can pick up on that. And it probably yeah. is more endearing than, than that, that other kind of thing you know, where it just sounds like kind of trite. So I think we're, we're now shifting from communication to employment and employment's a huge issue area We're related to disability. So at any one point in the, uh, you know, no matter how well, you know, the economy is or how bad it is, the unemployment rate is usually two to three times greater in people with disabilities. So even though this right now, we're in a current, you know, low um, unemployment term, still, it's two to three times greater in people uh, without disabilities. What, no, I'll go with you. What have you found to be challenging uh, regarding having a disability and work? And then the corollary of that, what have you found to help be encouraging or inspiring about disability and work? Um, so what I've
2: found challenging, at least for me, is that at points my mind tends to wander if I'm doing a task repeatedly. Like for example, if I'm stocking a shelf, mm-hmm. I get, my mind goes off to another place and I sometimes can't hear customers gain my attention. Uh. And that has been a difficulty before.
0: Do you have any tricks to kind of like stay focused in the present moment uh, and to, to reel that mind back in?
2: Um, the main one I do is similar to what Zach does, I sing a little bit to myself. Nice. I sing songs that give me more energy so I can finish my task a little quicker uh-huh. and keep me
0: aware 24 seven. You got any songs you want to belt out now? Not today, Tony. Not today. Uh, maybe later. That's the challenge. And that's the solution to the challenge. Um, do you do you find work to be rewarding? Oh, I love my job. Awesome.
2: Honestly. Awesome. I love working with the public. Nice. Even though I'm going to be transferring apartments, I'm still going to be working with the public.
0: Awesome. And is this a, a, a lateral transfer? Or is this a, like a promotion moving on up? Uh, lateral transfer
2: at the same level because I just want more hours at this point. Right on. So the summer sure. is summer. We keep on hiring in new people and my hours keep getting cut.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I would imagine then that's good experience to have because like, so you got, you know, one area that you've been working in that requires certain skills and now moving into another area, even if it's working with the public, imagine you're going to be learning another skill set as well.
2: Oh, yeah. And that is one thing I am super excited for. And the managers that are in all my departments are honestly one of the sweetest people I've ever met.
0: Cool. Good. Well supported. I, I, I like hearing that. That's awesome. Uh, how about you, Zach? You know, we were communicating offline. And uh, if I remember correctly, you recently got a promotion or are looking at getting promoted?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This has been long due.
0: This has been long due. <laughs> oh, yes. You, you put I, in your time. You've got your stripes. All right. Oh, trust me. Oh, I put in
1: hours. Uh-huh. I put in the most hours I've ever had in my life. Um, wow. 60 hours on the spring break
0: weekend, spring break. Wow. That's Whoa. no joke, man. Wow. Oh, yeah.
1: Wow. So I'm still a delivery driver, but now I have finally, um, I'm an inside driver to where I can do most of the responsibilities a team member can do now. Or like is able to do, making milkshakes. Um, did basically the, the, your, your average team member. I'm basically doing that plus also driving. So it is worth it. It is worth it right now. And as soon as I got that stuff, I was like, all right, you are. you almost like, all right, I'm about to. I'm about to freaking go hand. <laughs> <laughs> this has been my dream.
0: That's awesome. Literally, like you're pumped up. Huh? As I said, I'd like to hear how pumped up you are. You've worked hard. I
1: don't know. I don't know why, but like, when you watch, when you watch them do it for a year, you're just like, are you
0: just like, come on, just give me something to do. Yeah. I don't want to drive. You're hungry. (laughs) Well, that, that's what I want to ask both of you here too, is, is that you both seem to enjoy work. Um, Noah, are you going to school as well while you, uh, and working? Yes.
2: I am currently going to Eastern Florida State College down here in Brevard. Wow.
0: So you both are going to school and you're working like you're super (laughs) like involved and, and busy. So what do you have to say to people who have disabilities that um, either don't believe in themselves, that they can you know, do what you're doing and or are not motivated to do what you're doing, you know, to to be so involved. I mean, like you're, you're it, it is not easy to go to school and to work at the same time. And and again, like you know, I, I look at the disparities that are out there. You know, people with disabilities less likely to to be employed, but also um, to further their education. You know, educational attainment is not as um, Uh, equal at all. And and part of this, I I, I feel like is systemic, but it's also at an individual level, people have got to be motivated and disciplined, and have the desire to do it. So what do you say to people uh, with disabilities to encourage them to kind of like follow in your footsteps?
2: That is hard. But I guess for me, I would say, at least for the school side of things, find something you're really passionate about Mm -hmm. to go into and see what you need to do, like set a schedule. That's something that's been working for me a lot of
0: time. Passion and routine, huh?
2: Yeah, since I'm a history major, one of the things I love is studying history. I do it on the side right now while I'm focusing in on my other course subjects. I need to get my bachelor's, Uh or need to get my AA then to my bachelor's.
0: So how do you find your passion? Like, what is that? You know, cause a lot of people will be like trying to search for their passion or something like that. Like it's under a rock. How do you, how do you find a passion?
2: Um, at least for me, I had really good teachers in the history field that really inspired me to go into it. And uh-huh. I've loved history for years. I've loved it since I was like five years old, uh-huh. but I say if you are going to college check around, try out different classes as electives. Like in my college, you need civic literacy. I think that's for every one of them, but one of them is American history. And I had, two fanta- I had one fantastic American history teacher for both parts of the class and he made it personal and he made it feel like we were actually there in the moment.
0: Wow. Wow. So finding good role models and and being open to new subjects or interest areas. Zach, what inspires you? How you're just electrifyingly like motivated. So perhaps understanding the juice that you have might help other people to, to maybe you know, have that spark that you got. So what what inspires you and motivates you to, to, to be so engaged with your work and with school and to achieve? I think.
1: Um, I think that the best way, the best way I could possibly put it is, um, just try different things, just get experimental, Mm -hmm. try. It doesn't, I mean, if, if, if you have a job, I mean, Hey, you got some money to spend, go, go for it for my my passion. Well, one of the passions I know I have is graphic design and basically design stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and how I, how I figured that out is in, um, in high school, we were, when I was in digital design and, like, I was somehow good at it. Is. Like, I, my, I, like, I'm good, I'm good with computers. Don't know why. I'm just good with computers. I created, like, a whole family Christmas card just, like, from Photoshop. And then I got certified into four years later. Wow. Um, but, know, Photoshop, Illustrated, and Design, I'm currently certified in all three of them. Sweet. But for,
0: for, but for jobs, man. Um, well, I think what you're, what you're saying is, is that, you know, something that I heard was a formula to find people's inspiration would be kind of like what you're saying, you know, put yourself out there and try different things and identify what do you like to do? Even if you're not getting paid for it, what do you like to do? What are you good at? Because sometimes they're not the same. And then what does the world need? And then how can you make money at it? So like asking those four questions, you know, so what do you like to do? Like, When no one's paying you on your off time, on your lever time, what are you good at? What does the world need? And how can you get paid to doing that thing that it is?
1: Good. good. Okay. Thank you for those questions. Okay. So (laughs) basically I just needed those. Okay. So I didn't
0: invent it by the way. I totally borrowed that, stole that. (laughs) I know. Um, um, so basically
1: the thing is, so I've studied social media because I figured out it's a, it's been a, it's been a passion of mine ever since. I started watching YouTube, mm-hmm. and so I just started. I just I just started researching, researching, researching. What I've heard is that if you master something, and you, you get good at it for a year or two. You're probably going to be good at it, mm-hmm. and so people will pay so much money if 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 you're if you have the qualifications and you have the skills to do sure. it. Sure. And also the and also the the drive and also the fire is something yeah. that, that is really important because you can get burnt out real, real quick. Right, it's the one thing they need to be careful about. Sometimes, absolutely, like um, being a content creator, you can get burned up real quick. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If the algorithm isn't liking you, well then, well then, you are <laughs> not going to be the
0: greatest. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. So I want to pivot here and and start talking about some of the uh, leadership work that you're doing, and uh, I think both of you, if I'm not mistaken serve on the Florida Independent Living Council's youth, is it committee? That's correct. Yes, it's the youth committee. All right, so um, jump ball on this one. Tell our listeners what this is all about. And, and people should know the Florida Independent Living Council is part of the Independent Living Network. And it's a governor appointed board, has an executive director, and they have committees. And one of them has to do with youth. What, what do you all do with this committee?
1: Basically, I think I'm gonna to try to explain it to how, how how I think about it. Right. This may be incorrect, but just this, this is just how I think about it. Sure. Um, basically, all the sales in Florida, we help them give feedback and like um help brainstorm with, and we help, we kind of like reach out to the um seals and like impact the next generation of youth with disabilities. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's that's how I think about it. I might not be correct, but that's, not what, that's how I think about it. All
0: right, so so helping out all the centers for independent living, 15 of them in Florida to help clue us in on how to really reach and impact uh, youth. And we need that help, by the way. Yeah, Noah, Noah, what, what what does this council mean to you and the efforts that you're doing on it?
2: Um, So this council means to me basically, since I already knew Sarah Goldman and Whitney. Friends before, of the show, yes. Yeah. I knew Whitney because she was the one who sent me off to one of my conferences. It was uh-huh. my point of contact. And Sarah's technically my boss right now in another committee I'm part of. Cool. But I see it more, and this from as a youth consumer, I see it more as me being able to gain or network with other people, mm-hmm. network with different SILs so I can learn more about how they run their cultures over there in that center. Mm-hmm. How people of Florida's disability representatives are getting more and more access to being able to help people and how I can help improve my state.
0: Gotcha. So so what would you want people that like work at Centers for Independent Living to know uh, in terms of being better at reaching uh, youth and, and engaging them into what Centers for Independent Living are all about? Like, how can we do better in, in reaching youth populations and engaging them into what centers for independent living are all about, or what services could we offer them that they might find useful?
1: Social media, social media, um, uh-huh. uh, more of it. I know we, I know Facebook is covered, uh-huh. but just more, more um, uh, platforms, more because uh, a lot because TikTok is is like the is like the the Gen Z uh, Instagram right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say social media. And so when you say more of it, are you saying like m- building more youth related, you know, say communities on social media? Yes. All right. I have not seen that. And well, from my point of view, maybe,
1: maybe someone else is wrong. Maybe, uh, I have not seen that. I've not seen that, that, that much.
0: So more engagement. All right. Centers more need engagement. More, more engagement on social media with, uh, because what
1: I've seen you. is like, basically it's like an ad and I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, and like the engagement just like one in every few months, I'll just see like four comments and I'm like, are you kidding? Uh And I'm just there like, I'm just there okay, something needs to happen to where we can like have engagement just blow up a little bit or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Like, cause you know, yeah, that could be a useful way of building a community, you know, to, to connect by, by way of social media um how about you Noah Uh, anything advice out there for centers for independent living on how we can do better to to reach and engage our youth I'd say
2: social media as well (laughs) 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 quiet you (laughs) (laughs) but I would say social media as well but focus focus more on trying to hit the parents as well with that all right because i'm specifically talking about using youtube facebook and anywhere else where parents get connected because youtube is a powerful platform in itself my opinion every SIL could have his own youtube channel Uh and produce content that parents would be interested in and then they just show their kids it if it's something they think age appropriate
0: gotcha sure
2: and that could get them in contact with the cells that they are able to get in contact with like for example mine is resource solution resource center disability solutions in the space coast Uh we are trying right now to get dungeon dragons group up and my youth coordinator is using social media to get the word out
0: awesome so so you you just kind of were hitting on where i was going to go with this so more engagement on social media that was going to be my next question was like what specifically engages youth on social media. So you just threw out Dungeons and Dragons. So so potentially like starting out like fun social based kind of groups that can get together around a mutual interest, like Dungeons and Dragons. Zach, what do you what like so you're saying social media, but like how do I use social media to engage youth? You were mentioning Gen Z. I'm like uh Gen X. (laughs) TikTok trends. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok trends. trends, all right. Oh, those
1: That's... things. Oh, dude. Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. TikTok trends. You can go. You can literally go viral and just have it blow up for like the stupidest thing. And and it's. I'm just like, this is kind of genius. Like information. It's 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 crazy. Like I'm surprised sales are not taking advantage of right now. I'm surprised. Like they like.
0: I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah. We're uh, speaking to me specifically. I'm still, a, I'm still trapped in the eighties trying to figure out how to work my radio and they track oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm talking to you and having a podcast, you know, and uh, trying to get glued <laughs> into it, but uh, all right. So TikTok trends, I'm hearing social groups on, uh, you know, that have an interest area. Like you were mentioning there, Noah, I like how you're saying a YouTube channel, like every center can have a YouTube channel, maybe producing some content that uh, doesn't just target the youth, but potentially the people in their lives that, you know, like their parents and stuff like that as well, that could be useful content there. Interesting. So I'm going to now go into some other areas uh, that you also are involved with and each separately in some ways. So uh, Noah, I'm going to start with you. You were telling me offline that you're engaged with APRIL, which is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the Association for Programs of Rural Independent Living. That is correct. All right, all right, all right. So uh, it, and this is huge, right? Many people do live in rural areas, and that can be challenging. Our, our center has a 16-county geographic location to serve people, predominantly rural And meeting needs of people in rural areas has always been a challenge for us and for others that are trying to do that. So I applaud uh, April and its efforts to really help to uh, provide independent living for people with disabilities that are living in rural areas. But if you can speak to what April is all about and your involvement with it.
2: Sure. So April, like you said, is the Associate Programs for Independent Rural Living. At least that's how I remember in Uh my head. But we basically work around the entire country, including, including even Hawaii and Alaska to help people with disabilities, find connections, help people gain contact with themselves in those communities mm-hmm. since, like I said, we cover the entire country. And I know that some of my people who I work with for in April are located on the East Coast, West Coast, and in the Pacific Northwest. And as my involvement, this will be my second year chairing their youth steering committee or vice chairing, yeah.
0: Wow, you're in the executive part of the committee. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, we help plan April every year since I believe is founding. I might be wrong on that, but we have a conference every year. The last few years have been online, but this is my second year vice chairing it. And my side of the committee helps with the youth side of everything. Mm -hmm. We plan entire youth days. We bring new speakers. We plan activities for youth.
0: And the national conference this year is in Orlando, right? Yes, at the Rosen Centra
2: in Orlando, Florida. All right. In fact, I am wearing last year's t-shirt too.
0: Looks sporty on you. What have you found to be some of the major issue areas with youth living in rural areas that have disability, as it pertains to their independent living? Like, what is what are some of the things that that talk about as far as needs?
2: Um, lack of access, really. Yeah. Because in a lot of rural communities, it is usually a far drive to get anywhere.
0: Transportation, yeah. Huge. Transportation
2: funds as
0: well. Yeah. Tend to be I'd low say... income. The rural areas, you know, tend to be lower income. Yeah.
2: And I'd also really say unawareness, like unaware that there are places that can help them. Mm-hmm. Unaware of people doing things really not well and helping say more talk about caregivers with this one, not knowing really how to take care of a person with disabilities. Well, when they're used to people who are more, able-bodied, yeah. if that makes sense. It makes
0: 100% sense. That is a huge issue uh, in terms of supporting people's independent living needs is that we do re- often rely on people to, to assist us. And oftentimes, the people that are assisting us can be informal caregivers, uh, you know, friends, family, and, and others that are uh, needed to do it and might not have the, the formal training or knowledge or skills to be able to do it. And then even people that are the formal caregivers you know it's can be far and few between in rural areas to to be out there to support people. So that, that can be a really, really tough situation. Zach, I'm going to go to you now, and uh, as somebody that's now a veteran with the Youth Leadership Forum, which is a annual event that's held uh, typically outside of COVID years, uh, at least before COVID, in Tallahassee in person for a week, uh, bringing youth from all across the state to participate in a week-long worth of activities that uh, engages and immerses uh, people in experiences to teach uh, not only civics and how the government works and all these other kind of things, but advocacy and leadership. So talk to us about your past experiences in the Youth Leadership Forum and what you have to look forward to in the Youth Leadership Forum that is in roughly uh, one month from now, which is the end of July. It's first time being face-to-face since COVID hit. So it's first time in almost three years wow um yeah i uh I've had an interesting experience with a wild up actually uh-huh. um so I
1: first got um uh recommended by my transitioner name you know he's transitioning and uh high school tech coordinator president thing um named chris carberg um yeah, he recommended to me it and then all of a sudden I got a job like like the week of and I'm like shoot i gotta i gotta text them and then The year after I got, I finally got in and uh, it was online. And so, um, uh, I'd save it a week of Zoom, six hours and then, uh, uh, and then a break and then another three hours, um, kind of torture a little bit. Not that, I mean, it was, it was, it was all right, but like, i think this year is going to be like a holy whole it's gonna be a whole different gonna, yeah in person so yeah, it's gonna be like a whole different ball were
0: you invited when they were doing it face to face was it the year before COVID? yeah yeah oh wow yeah and it, you missed it, out because no, no. you jo- got a job no wow. um sorry um it's
1: it's a whole thing uh it's a whole interesting story um so i was invited to do it the first time which was a t- which was a two-week thing which was i was like okay uh and then which i i got the job and then the le- the next year I was uh, it actually just popped in my mind I was like hey um I got this thing um I should try this again I, I try I should try this out again and uh, I te- and then I texted and then um that all started this whole thing um which it, it had to be online and uh, and then uh, I got well we were able to be invited back as a delegate but. Sarah's like, yeah, you're ready to be a staff, and I'm like, okay. Um, And so, yeah, I'm, 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 I've never been this pumped and never been this excited in my life. Little. What
0: did you get out of it being uh, delegates, like a participant, like they're, you know, yeah. Okay, all right. So, so what did you get out of it? uh, You know, even though it was virtual and uh, a lot of online uh, due to COVID, what did you get out of it?
1: It was very eye opening because I'm, I've never, well, I've grown up in a neurotypical society, so. I was like, huh. This is kind of interesting and kind of weird and also kind of cool a little bit. Uh-huh. And so it was uh it was very like interesting. Like we watched Crip Camp. I I we almost we all almost cried. I I I had I had tears. I probably cried. Yeah it's a great
0: documentary. Um, yeah. It, oh yeah.
1: Very oh my. Yeah. yeah. It it wakes you up a little bit. Right. A of we yeah, we have a I history. We up. have
0: a shared history. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like, damn, okay. Uh-huh. Um uh it was very cool we had these like kind of like personal leadership plans Uh that i still have in my uh i I kept it for some reason cool i looked back i looked back at it i was like wow i've grown a lot um (laughs) so basically it's like a whole activity where you learn about yourself and like you have like a plan of like what to do like next Uh in your life yeah and like you literally ask yourself a lot of like difficult questions that like are you um are you an advocate for yourself are you able to like um are you creative are you collaborative Mm -hmm. are you like it was like one of the i think it was like um check all the boxes of like the the categories Mm -hmm. all of them were all of them i kind of knew i was i was there i my whole box was checked and i was like dang okay wow (laughs) because like my self-confidence was just crap back then, mm-hmm. um, don't know why, but it just was, uh, why left kind of changed that a little bit. Um, cool. cause I got to wake up a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was very, it was, it was a fun experience.
0: So your experience with youth leadership forum helped to build your confidence and to help educate you on, on what a leader, uh, is all about
1: yeah awesome i mean i'm still curious to this day when people think of me i because i'm i'm because i'm just curious a little bit i i'm fascinated about psychology and all that stuff <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just they're just like i'm just usually
0: like i i ask a lot of people i'm like am i, am I selfish or self selfless they're like selfless and i'm like huh okay cool am i selfish or selfless <laughs> i love that question and asking other people to have their point of view on it i think is genius that's awesome I was like, is this considered me being secure? And I'm like, no, I'm just curious of what other people think of me. That's all. <laughs> uh, and, and and that's huge, right? So when we're talking about leadership, you know, ideally leaders are selfless and, and sometimes yeah. they're selfish leaders who, you know, are more egoic and it's all about them and being in the limelight and caring about what other people think and yeah. trying to get no, people that, to like that, them and not selfless, yeah. trying to be there for the people and not needing the spotlight, but using it as a means to help lift other people up, right?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I, I never thought myself as to be a leader. Like I, well, I, I didn't really, I, YLF was probably the the start of saying, Hey, you're a leader now you're a leader. And I'm like, Oh shoot. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very fun. It's, uh, it's yeah. I'm yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's very fun. You know,
0: I see yourself and both you and Noah, you know, as leaders and, and again, not as a not leadership, not being necessarily a position in a, an organization, like, you know, more or less, like how are we conducting ourselves in our lives? So from, from my lens, like you both are like going to school, working, and you're involved in service, you know, volunteer service. You know, you're, you're both are serving on youth councils, advisory boards, participating, you know, in these experiences that are giving other people experiences Um that are needed to help improve their independent living. So, you know, professionally, academically, and through service. I mean, to me, that is that is true leadership. Go ahead. And it's crazy. Imposter syndrome really hit me.
1: Um, if you know what that means, imposter syndrome. I do, yeah. Um, it hit me whenever I got on staff and also when I got selected to be on the on the committee. Like, I was like, okay, what the heck is going (laughs) on here? Like (laughs) I know I I I hate bragging about myself, but like I was like, okay, I'm just a I'm just a college student. Uh-huh. I I was like, that's that's like Steve Jobs level. I'm like, yo, my life just went boom like that. Wow. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Okay,
0: <laughs> Noah Noah, have you heard of imposter syndrome? I have. Have you ever had it yourself?
2: I would say a little bit when I started my job in the supermarket Uh and when I was elected as vice chair my first year in 2021, which Sarah has been training me at this point to get me ready to try and run for chair this year (laughs) after the conference is over. Uh But overall, I've had a great team, my job and a great group with both the youth committee in Florida and the April youth steering committee that is not really hating me as much anymore. I feel more confident in my role.
0: That's great. You know, I want to, I want to um, share with you something I learned about imposter syndrome and I've had it too in my life where I'm like, how did I get here? I'm not, you know, oh my gosh, someone's gonna find out that you know I don't deserve to be here and get exposed. And so what what I found out is exposed. yeah the <laughs> the uh, the author um, and, and researcher Adam grant, he's he's amazing and he's put out a lot of books about leadership, and one of them uh, is titled The Power of Knowing What We Don't Know. And he has a in there that he shows that in research, people that have imposter syndrome are higher achievers and performers than people that do not have it at times and that it inspires people who have imposter syndrome or even lack confidence to do the work necessary to get the skills or information that is needed to do whatever role or position that they are finding themselves in that they feel like oh my gosh I'm not worthy versus somebody that gets that position and thinks well I know it all you know, I got this look. I totally deserve it. And, and I almost have overconfidence and don't see themselves as needing to learn or to gain a new skill or do those other kind of things. So in some ways, having this imposter syndrome or lacking confidence can be utilized as fuel to learn that which we do not know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that, that can be something there that, that could be used as a superpower. So I think what we're dancing around here is, um, you know, what is a leader? All about. And and Noah, I'll start with you. To you, what does a leader mean to you, Noah?
2: A leader is, a leader to me is more someone who is willing to be both humble and wise. Someone who has a lot of experience in something, say a pastor at a church, a martial arts black belt. They are technically leaders, but they don't know how to be humble. They're not true leaders. They have the wisdom. They don't have the compassion and the passion to know when they are wrong on something or willing to accept our point of view. Uh
0: huh. I love how you said humility. Some of the best leaders that I know don't need the limelight. Like you mentioned martial arts. Like some of the, the most advanced people in martial arts that I know aren't trying to show off their martial arts or to put themselves in situations where they get to show it off. Like they're the they use their their power to not fight, you know, if they have to, and to be able to be in the background and not have to 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 be in the limelight and say, dig me and can subordinate their ego. So and and then the corollary, yeah, the corollary to that would be is the those that are, you know, craving the leadership role to be more egoic to to have more bravado uh to exude and exhibit a heightened sense of confidence like overconfidence in a way and uh so i love that you pointed out humility how about you zach what does a leader to mean to you
1: um i'd say it's a let's say it's a it's a level it's a balance mm-hmm. um you can be passionate about something and also Say, hey, yeah, I don't know all this. I know a lot of stuff, but I don't know a lot. I don't know most of the stuff. Humbleness and also um, passion is what I think of.
0: Yeah, got to be inspired. And, 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 I, yeah. and sometimes I feel like, you know, I've been a teacher and, you know, students would ask me, well, what's the, you know, ask me a question and I didn't know the answer. I felt at times I was like, I have to know the answer because I'm the teacher or even in my role right now as you know director of the center, someone might ask me something about disability or how to do a service. And I don't know. And over time I've learned to just be honest about, I don't yeah. know. Oh yeah. Honest. Honesty really works. Right, Honest be authentic. You. you know, I'm not a supercomputer and know every answer to every question in the universe. And be authentic. Like, I don't know. That's a great question, and I'm gonna go find out the answer and circle back to you. And and, and yeah. be the seat of the learner. Always learning. You know, uh, we cannot learn that which we think we already know. Uh, and chasing that dopamine, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> dopamine nation. Um. So so you brought up Crip Camp earlier. And uh, you know, that's an amazing documentary that chronicles, in 1971, there was a camp for people who had disabilities. From that camp, you know, it turns out that many of the, the participants of the camp and the camp counselors went on to do uh, amazing things in terms of advocating for civil rights for people with disabilities. You know whether it was the sit-in in San Francisco in 1977 that arguably led to the passage of the 1990 uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. No,
1: I love that. I don't. I I literally like my my pride was just. I don't know why, but like it, the um the, the the documentary like just had me just. It's amazing. I was like I was just there like yeah. They're like, they're like, okay, go okay, Yeah. I mean, we I mean, we have
0: we wheelchair, wheelchairs, so I mean we're not going anywhere, so I know. I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, super wow, cool. shoot. Yeah, it's just amazing how this camp, where they could be themselves, they felt free to be themselves, free of stigma of society, connected with each other. Then they go on for years, decades, being these you know leaders of civil rights for people with disabilities. They made real change. And uh, we all are, are here be- largely because of a lot of their efforts, their sacrifices, you know, what they did, how they advocated, you know, I love too how they, uh, you know, stopped traffic in, in, in Manhattan. 50 people like, stop traffic and they're like, wow. Yeah. And then they brought the paddy wagon to take them all away. And the paddy wagon's not accessible for wheelchairs, so they couldn't take <laughs> them away. And they're just like, well, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just
1: get everything in there.
0: <laughs> totally. And and so, you know, I, I fast forward to now, you know, today. And many people of that generation of people who are advocating for people with disabilities for civil rights are worried about this next generation of people. So in Crip Camp in 1971, a lot of these people who you know disrupted the system and made the needed changes that were necessary were like 18 to 25 years old, like in your age range. And now today, they worry that that same energy is not within our youth. That that same motivation and drive, in large measure, like you, present company excluded, um, may not be there. And that democracy uh, and freedom—you know—we're we're recording this a week out from you know July Fourth, right—is not a spectator sport. Like we got to get yeah. people involved, and we got to get our youth involved. Be honest, and they're worried yeah. that like this generation, um, your generation needs to be uh, more engaged into these efforts. A, what do you have to say about that, you know, commentary? And B, if you uh do agree with it, um how can we get more people off the sidelines and involved? And and C, if you don't agree with it, why? So first part, you know, do you agree with their assessment that youth, your age group, your generation needs to be more involved in advocating for the civil rights of people with disabilities? Um. I don't really pay attention, but
1: um, I don't really pay attention that much. But I gotta say, yeah, I'm kind of agree, agreeing with them what they're saying a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of agreeing a little bit. Yeah.
0: How about you, Noah? Do you agree with the the commentary from you know people that might say uh, that do say you know we need to get more youth with disabilities engaged in advocating for the civil rights of people with disabilities? I have to agree as well. And and so what can we do then to get more people involved? I don't know actually. Um not easy.
1: Speak up like or go to go to protests or some of that. That's the one thing that I that I know a little bit because I don't really pay attention that much. It should um it just pops off my feed a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm just like, oh okay. I don't really pay attention that much because while our country is slowly going into a um not that great of a state. Um which I'm kind of debating about celebrating Fourth of July this year a little bit. I was um because I, I kind of all right, this is my political side. all right. um okay, uh, I once I heard once I heard about Roe versus Wade, I was like, okay, yeah, I don't really see what now for the July it looks like because for of July is fighting for the freedom and the rights. Well, the rights are now being kind of altered a little bit. I was like, this i was like this is not going to go pretty at all
0: how about how about you noah what what can be some of the ways to get people engaged that aren't engaged uh, in terms of advocating for rights of people with disabilities um well cuz you both are I engaged think, you both are very engaged in terms of what you're doing i say part
2: of the reason why youth aren't as engaged as much i know this is a little off topic with it but it loose on to my point is that a lot of people are glued to social media. No offense, Zach.
0: (laughs) Well, it's 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 a tool, right? I should have almost asked you that at the beginning when you said social media. It seems like one of these things where it can be good to bring a community together and get engaged potentially around uh, an issue related to advocating for civil rights. And at the same time, it could kind of take the eye off the prize and get us distracted. And, and and take away from that. So it seems like there's some nuance there on how social media might be used.
1: I mean, yeah. I don't know how. It's kind of hard to like um, uh, stand up for advocacy right or like civil rights because it's not because it's in in the hands of lawmakers. In my point of view, that it doesn't really have an effect because what I've seen, it like we've tried everything, like it like it's it's not gonna work. Because it's because the whole friggin' the whole like the whole country is like on one side and on one side. Mm. I'm just like, what's the point? Because like, I think that what you could what you could do like a little bit of it is like share share on social media. That's like that, that's like the bare minimum you can do, I guess. Um, And share your thoughts on it. That's like the least you can do. That's just my th- that's just my thought on it. Mm-hmm.
2: How about you, Noah? Um, my thought on it is simply because social media is not only a great tool, but also the distraction can kind of be used as a weapon. Mm-hmm. You get and I'm not gonna try and get political with this because politics make me feel sick at points. Mm-hmm. But some people in the past have used different media's to rile up the masses. Mm-hmm. The founders, yep. Yep. founders used their version of social media back in the day to rally people for the American Revolution. The or the political ads from World War One and World War Two to get people ready to go fight in Europe against Germany, Austria, and Italy at the time, mm-hmm. and the Cold War propaganda. But I will say this: social media nowadays is much more of a weapon because there's a lot more people who are connected. Mm-hmm. And as such, it can be very bad for you who do have disabilities, but also have a harder time not being in that in crowd to have a to not want to leave it. Yeah. If that makes any sense it, it
0: does and so I, I like how you tied like hit through history this is so not new in terms of efforts to sway the masses you know when you're talking american revolution to world war one to the cold war it's still the same effort to try and sway public opinion and do these other kind of things the tools have changed over time and so now You know, it's much more integrated and and connected. And like you were mentioning earlier, Zach, more dopamine producing uh, in nature, so it can become more addictive. And and in some ways it can unify us, in many ways it can divide us. So I guess it's like a, a tool, you know, like fire. You know, fire can be used to cook our food or it can be used to burn down our house. And you know, how to best use that. For me, I think bringing it local. Can seem to be much more impactful into my life and into you know our organization. So, um, what's going on in city hall? You know what's going on at our city county commissioner meetings that are being voted on that have to do immediately with what happens outside uh, in my neighborhood. Now it's not necessarily as captivating as what's going on in the national news. Like the national news is like kind of the major leagues. And, and it can be very captivating on um, what's going on at the national level versus you know, the city, county commissioner meetings are, are, can be very dry, but more applicable to our own everyday lives. So for me, I, I, I find, and I think there's a saying out there that all politics are more local at the end of the day and, and how to get people involved locally, I think is a good way of doing it. And I think at that Youth Leadership Forum, Zach, I think sometimes uh, what the one of the best benefits to come out of it is, is that we can have an impact, but it really does start locally versus like, what can we do nationally? It seems very far off. So speaking of distraction, I'm gonna pivot here because you know I know both of you are into similar, but perhaps different kinds of interest areas related to combatives zach what's going on with youtube boxing i have no idea what that is uh, but i know okay, that you're so, interested in it oh, think, no. <laughs> okay oh
1: okay finally okay someone asked you finally <laughs> hate it. um what is youtube wow. boxing
0: dude i have no idea um
1: so this whole thing started with ksi and uh Joe Eller, and then ksi calls out logan paul and then uh they all start it's just like a whole beef online and then when, when they got into the ring it I it was just like a holy it was like a holy crap this is it like uh uh you're fighting uh, like i'm just like this is kind of cool and then it's now all spired out, out to like all these different like things and i'm just like and i've watched youtube for probably around like um since well not since it began but like when, when um I think, I think it was like four years after YouTube started to come out, like I was starting to watch a little bit. Like I grew up with like Roman Atwood, like Shaytards, everything. It was the whole, like the whole shebang. It's so fun. Like w- watching this whole sport just like come to life and just like, uh, say, like seeing all the different moves you can do. Like, and also like the beat, also like the drama It's just, I'm just there. Like, oh, are you okay. learning
0: to box? Like, is this a form? No, no. I mean, where okay, learned-
1: actually... I actually did Taekwondo for, um, until black belt. Um, I'm, I have a black belt. I'm a black belt in Taekwondo right now. Wow. And, um, I kind of understand what it's like because I've sparred a uh-huh. lot okay. and, it, and it hurts. Yeah. It, it yeah. I sucked it in, but, it, but it hurts. Yeah. And, uh, like forms like the humility and like the, the, the things that you get from there is just, um, powerful.
0: Yeah. And, and Noah, and now I understand you do martial arts yourself. Is that right?
2: Uh, yes, I have two black belts actually. I'm a third degree black belt in the art of Taekwondo as well. Wow. Oh, and wow. I've been doing it for almost 10 years. Wow. And I also have a black belt in the art of Korean sword known as Hatem Gumdo.
0: What? I don't even know what that wow. is. I never heard of that. Oh, wow. So this um, is sword fighting? Uh, yes. And, and it incorporates,
2: cool. incorporates sword arts from Korea, Japan, and China to create a more well-rounded style. And I've been doing that for seven years. Holy moly. That is cool. That is super
0: cool. So next episode, we may need to get you both in the same studio and uh, do a little sparring towards the end or beginning. No. (laughs) Oh, gosh. No, (laughs) no, no. no. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Wow. What have you found that – so both of you in in, in your uh, engagement and and practice in martial arts, what have you found useful – outside of like, you know, the physical health of the sport and maybe your ability to defend yourself um, for your lives? Like, what has it <laughs> done for your life to benefit <laughs> yourself?
1: Well, um, I don't really have that much experience. Um, I just did it because I had to, I was forced to. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't really have, I mean, I'm good at punching That's and kicking, that's all I can say. <laughs> that's,
0: I mean. Did it help your focus <laughs> at all or mindfulness or anything else like that? Uh- I was too young to
1: to know. Okay, you were um, young.
0: Gotcha. Probably,
1: I am. I probably just did it against my parents and wanted me to. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. How about you, Noah?
2: <laughs> um, it has actually given me a few things besides self defense and more physical health. The first is patience, Ooh. because that's
1: one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: where I'm at right now in my ranks, I have one more year till I become a fourth degree. But after that, I have to wait another four years to become a fifth. Wow. Degree black belt. So it's the time commitment definitely teaches you a lot of patience. And also, I'm going to say as well, endurance and teaching skills. Yeah. Because I also do sparring. I spar with both hand to hand and with weapons. It's taught me how to take a punch, how to take a blow to the arm. It's taught me a lot. (laughs) And also, <laughs> yeah we don't uppercut as much oh yeah okay, gotcha. it also teaches other people how it takes some my kicks but <laughs> besides the point it also with the teaching skills i'm technically an assistant instructor and my master has seen me really improve so once i hit fourth he has given me authorization to run my own class wow. for five-year-olds basically Great and he's gonna be allowing me to keep all the money that I get from that program.
0: Super cool. Wow, yeah, Payne. What a great teacher Payne is, right? (laughs) All right, so hey, uh, I'm gonna be rounding this out with a question that we ask everybody that comes on. And and Zach, I think we asked you this, so it'd be interesting to compare your answer now to what we had in our first episode together. But I'll start with you, Noah, on this question what does the independent life or living independently mean to you
2: i think living independently means that while you can while you are basically doing some stuff on your own you always have a support network to help you out you always have a safety net just in case you fall and It's always good to ask for help. I know I have an issue with that sometimes, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to get better at it. So that's what independent living means to me, Tony.
0: I love that. I love that living independently means interdependence. Like we do need each other. Like there's no one that's fully independent, like living out in the woods, living off the land, not needing any kind of uh, assistance or, or support from anyone, unless we're totally living isolated out in the wilderness, on some level, we all need each other to, uh, you know, we did, I didn't build the road I came in to work on. I didn't make the food and deliver it and stock it like, you know, I rely on people like you to go out and to, and to do that. And on, on so many different levels are, are relying on other people so I can live a level of independence. And man, I really appreciate how you mentioned asking for help. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I got to subordinate my ego and just humble myself and, and be vulnerable and lean into it when I need help. And I need to ask for help often, you know, personally, professionally, and, and how wonderful of an opportunity that it opens a window for someone else to be of service and to help when we can embrace that humility and vulnerability and to just ask. You know, I know that can be a very big challenge for anyone, you know, with or without disabilities to ask someone else for help. Good answer there, Noah. Zach, all right. What does living independently, independent living mean to you?
1: Oh boy, uh, living independently or like living on your own. Um, mm-hmm. sorry, you don't have to call mom and dad for help. Mm-hmm. Um, basically that's for, kind of from a neurotypical society. I basically, I have a credit card. I have, I pay all my bills on time. Sometimes I pay them like earlier, just so I can get ahead a little bit. For you. Um, oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. I don't know why, but like, I cannot stand it. If like a lot, if I, so I'm paying in a car. I am finally paying a car loan. It, wow. um, finally, oh yes, I've been wanting to because um, I feel like um, I'm on a silver spoon. In my defense, it fe- it feels like that for some reason, um, and I'm blessed a lot. I think I I think my my parents helped me, but like I was like, okay, I don't want to be like this because I want to learn a little bit. So I I just had to, I just basically asked. I was like, hey, can I pay? I was like, I got my first car. I got I got an auto loan, and also I'm paying auto insurance, and also for my phone bill. Wow. I have not missed a single deadline ever because, well, because like when you withdraw it in your head, you get debts, yeah. you get interest. Well, that is, I'm just like nah, nope. So I want to be at the place where I'm paying rent, everything, and I can be also be financially stable. That is one of my goals because I, um, I hate i would not like to ask for money like um for like bills for my mm. parents that is a goal of mine i hate doing that for for some reason i want to be an adult i want to be independent uh yes mental health and yes that is very important like therapy that takes some that takes some freaking courage because yeah, like i had because like um i was going through some stuff with work because change is very ugh, for the first time i was like all right screwed. I got to do it. So I went to therapy and, uh, it was pretty nice naturally. And I was like, oh, okay. I feel proud of myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, finan- financially and also, um, uh, mentally, yeah. Uh, independent living is important a lot. Yeah.
0: I, I really, when, when you're answering your, you know, giving your answer there, great answer. I'm, I'm hearing like responsibility, you know, embracing the responsibilities of, Basically, you're saying adulting, you know, being an adult yeah, I, and having yeah. that, you know, embracing it. And I, I like how you embrace it by, like, you know, really uh, leaning into not wanting to be in debt, you know, to have the responsibility to take that on, you know, uh, your own shoulders and not have to rely yeah, on your parents. I, that's that's huge. Yeah. I think more people need that in their lives. You know, yeah, I are, mean, are adults. I'm just saying this, but I mean, like,
1: credit card companies will like will uh, are already loving they already. love debt yeah. I'm, so on Amex, there is a, um, I have an Amex, I have American Express card. And um, the total balance and the statement balance always just get to me a little bit. Cause you see the number, that number adding up mm-hmm. and I'm just there like, oh Jesus. And I'm just like, oh goodness. Don't, don't start out in like, debt, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, and I'm just there like, well, crap, okay. Yeah. I have not paid a statement balance in probably around three months because I just paid off like Good. all the time I get a paycheck i've started to get i've started to pay for my own, my own medication but like when it's when it's cheaper when it's cheaper yeah it's no <laughs> joke because <laughs> like my my prescriptions cost like a, a, an arm and a leg and i'm like goodness gracious yeah man holy crap Yeah. And i'm just waiting for my uh the, the the copay to like um kick in so i'm sorry it's affordable for me 30 bucks all right, you can save a goodbye to spending for me. See you. <laughs> but like, yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I wanted to be, I've wanted to be independent since I got
0: a job that kicked in. At me. Well, you're full on adulting here I, from the way you're uh, talking about all this stuff, Zach. That's very admirable. <laughs> I want to um, acknowledge both of you for, you know, so many different things. But you know, as we started off at the top, you know, you both have disabilities. You're working. You're going to school, and you're participating. In volunteer service work, it's amazing that you both are doing this stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, I wanted. Okay, so you were saying about disabilities and employment. I wanted to add something that I had. Yeah. That I wanted to do. chime in. Um. So, if you are a employer, listen to me here. Um, employees with disabilities are literally, I think, is the backbone or like the the how the company can strive a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you this, from my experience. I if I don't have school or anything or else I'm gone I will clear everything out of my table and just go fall on. I will, I will, I will drop everything and just put all of it on, on my job. That cause like um and also loyalty and also like hardworking and also enthusiasm is so is so like thing. Like whenever we 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 get we we learn something new, we get excited. We're just there like, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. I'm like the loudest employee, like who, who like if I make a milkshake. I'm, I'm just out here. Yeah, let's go. And so like it, um, you will not regret it. If you hire someone with a disability, it is that it is, um, it is fun. And also you get to learn a lot of stuff too. I'm planning to, I want, I've been, I'm enjoying my, I am enjoying full time right now. I'm enjoying it right now. Like I will, I will put everything down and just do full time. If I, if I, if I, in alternative universe, I would literally put everything down and go full time. That is my. That is something that I loved. Don't know why. It's just my worth ethic. Because all the summers when I was growing up, a lot of my friends were at work, and like I had to borrow money from my parents. And I'm like, oh, if I could just get, if I could just get some of that money, oh. I'm just there, like okay. I'm just there, like and and, the, and I'm just like okay, yeah, no. I'm just like I I don't want to do anything except work. That's it, and it makes me so happy because that paycheck.
0: <laughs> I'm so happy that you're saying this. Like that's one of the things that we do here at our Center for Independent Living is an employment services program. So we work to try and place people with disabilities into meaningful and sustainable employment, and and we do a lot of things to help improve their you know people's skills and you know, these other kind of things. But one of the biggest challenges we have is educating employers about the value of hiring people with disabilities. I couldn't have said it any better than you did. It is so meaningful and uh, to the person that you're hiring, but so beneficial to the organization that they're being hired into. They bring such enthusiasm, like you eloquently expressed there, such inspiration and such diversity, different ways of thinking uh, that can really benefit the organization that they're hired into and to the people that the organization serves. And also another thing too, um, what I've experienced is that I don't, I have not called out
1: in over two, well, no, a month or like, it's I have only called out two times during my during my work week during my whole entire work career I think and that's one of the things that the employers
0: and buy into is myths is like oh we're gonna hire people with disabilities they won't be enthusiastic they'll be absent a lot these oh, are all no, myths buddy. they're oh, all myths no no yeah. no no you were,
1: yeah.
0: no no they're gonna no no they're gonna
1: they're gonna freaking like they're gonna oh yeah yeah you, you're oh yeah you're hiring somebody that's like that's like really desperate yeah who who will put everything on the line Enthusiasm. just just to get one to yeah. a job. You will not you that that's gonna be the be- that's gonna be a whole nother investment. That's gonna be yeah. See, this is where this it. is
0: where we can get more people involved and off the sidelines is to really debunk a lot of these bogus stereotypes that employers have about hiring people with disabilities.
1: I yes, I wanted to, yeah. yes, I wanted to get into that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah,
0: this is where we can get people enthused. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate and look up to you all in so many ways. Again, like your your enthusiasm to to do so much. I, and, and it's such a good you both are just like such amazing role models for oh, not you. just your generation, <laughs> but for all generations. And, and again, we're coming up on, you know, July 4th and all these other kind of things. And, and, you know, we mentioned Crip Camp and we really are at a moment where we do need more people involved and inspired to work, to go to school, uh, to be involved in service projects that have a mission that's bigger than any individual uh, and to do it for reasons for, you know, to honor the, the those that came before us and those that will come after us. And and I'm just really so honored and humbled that you all came on to have this conversation uh, with me and, and for our listeners and just really admire and look up to you all and look forward to continuing our conversation down the road. Yep. Thank you so much, Noah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zach.
2: It's my pleasure
0: my pleasure And until the (laughs) next time we are going to take this boat onward and upward thanks for listening to
1: the independent life podcast brought to you by the center for independent living of north central florida if you like what you hear please rate review and subscribe and if you know anyone who might benefit from listening share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too for questions suggestions or if you have a story you'd like to share please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.